On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Cricket Unfiltered podcast, the News Corp Cricket Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Mentzel, and I have on the line the Daily Telegraph's chief cricket writer, Ben Horn. Ben, how are you? I'm good, Menace. Uh, just coming to grip with this test team that has a lot of new faces in it. That's exactly why I've got you on the line. We're going to run through the first test team that's been announced by the Australian selectors today and go through all the issues there. My initial reaction, Ben, is shock and horror at the team that has been announced. Uh, just give me your first feelings when you heard the team. Well, look, the Tim Payne selection is a shock. I mean, it, it is the definition of a bombshell. But for me, I've heard Tim Payne's name mentioned in dispatches all summer. But the shock is, if that was the case, if he was legitimately being considered for some time, how has he not worn the gloves for Tasmania this year? It's a staggering preparation to an Ashes series that uh, the keeper has not worn the gloves for his state team once. He had one game keeping for the Cricket Australia eleven. Uh, which went well for him, but then the very next week he was slotted back into the Tasmanian team as a specialist batsman. So uh, try to follow that. He's a good gloveman, so I don't necessarily disagree with the selection. I think he'll he'll do as good a job as anyone they could have picked, but uh, it's hard to follow the uh, the way we've got to this point. Yeah, I'm actually having a hard to listen to you because my head is just swirling with emotions. I mean, this is where the unfiltered bit of this podcast comes in because I think this is an, a ludicrous selection. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is one of the biggest clangers the selection panel has had in the last few years. How can you pick a wicketkeeper that hasn't made a shield ton for 11 years? He's not a, even a shield keeper. You've got Peter Neville, who last season was considered good enough to play Test cricket, was dropped, and then went away and scored over 500 runs in the shield to prove his worth, and he's not given a call-up. It's ridiculous, Ben. The only the only uh, justification that's been given so far from Trevor Hone, put out a statement this morning, he's the national selector, is that Payne, you know, is someone that they've had their eyes on for a long time. He's a quality gloveman. That can't be disputed. He played four tests back in 2010, and if it wasn't for an untimely injury, he may have played more. But it does seem like um, Payne's form with the bat this season, albeit pretty in pretty weird circumstances, he made a 50 in a tour match uh, against England, which uh, is a good effort. But those tour games were not. It's hard to say whether that's the same level as a Shield match. And then he was called in and made a 70 odd uh, for Tassie against uh, against uh, Victoria, uh, where some have suggested that uh, you know Tasmania probably should have declared long before uh, with the weather coming in. So it seems on that form that he's got in. And when you look at the other keepers around the country, including Neville, no one else has scored a half century this season except Bancroft, who's who's been picked as an opener. But 
I guess that's the only thing that's, that, that's got him there is that no one else, none of these other candidates, including Neville, have done anything in the three matches this season. Whether you think that should be the defining the defining criteria or not is massively up for debate, but that's that's the thing. He scored 50s and no one else has. Yeah, but this is one of the big criticisms of the selection panel and Australian cricket at the moment is that we have a first-class competition, but they're not using it to select players. They say it is the breeding ground for test cricketers, yet they just look on somebody that was, you know, someone's potential from 10 years ago and they pluck him out for the biggest series in Australian cricket since the last Ashes series four years ago. Mm. I, I just can't fathom it. And I think part of this does come down to Neville doing two things. He didn't bash the door down and score runs this season, which would have made it hard for them not to pick Peter Neville. But also, there is something to the fact that they don't like his persona, that he's not energetic enough. I'm thinking of actually getting him on this podcast and just going through a sledging lesson with him because I reckon I could teach him to sledge with the best (laughs) of them. Yeah, look, it's a tough one. I... um... I think there probably was a reluctance to go back to someone that they dropped only a year ago. Um, whether that's just stubbornness, I'm not sure. But, yeah, there's no doubt. I don't think that if, if Neville had made a, a big score to start this season, he just would have been in. He was very, very close anyway, I think. But, look, the most bizarre thing about this for me is is not Payne versus Neville. It's Payne versus Wade. Because the very strong suggestion out of Tasmania and, and across Australian cricket has been that Matt Wade's cards were marked and he was virtually no chance of being picked this summer after uh, you know falling out of favour in Bangladesh. And if that's the case, and you know it's not confirmed, Trevor Holmes has just said it was based on his, his batting and keeping form, but if, if Wade was never a serious consideration and Payne was, it's just difficult to understand how a call wasn't made at some point in the past three weeks to, to swap those two over and, and give Payne a crack. So it's a it's a complicated situation, but that's the part of it that I find most perplexing. Well, I don't think they knew two weeks ago who the keeper was going to be and probably why the call wasn't made. All right, let's go through this squad from top to bottom. The big surprises, the big talking points. We started with the wicketkeeper, Tim Payne, but let's go to the top of the order. David Warner's got a new opening partner for this Ashes series. He has Cameron Bancroft, who's who's replaced Matty Renshaw in the side. They talked about this three Shield games as being a bit of a bat-off to see who could make the test side. Well, I think Renshaw's batted himself out of the test side, unfortunately, because... No one was talking about his place in the team. And then he looked so out of form in these three Shield games that he was usurped by Cameron Bancroft. It's hard to argue with this one. I mean, initially, a couple of weeks ago when we were hearing some murmurs that Renshaw was in trouble, I thought that was very harsh because, you know, the kid had played 10 matches since his debut, done very well under the circumstances. And it just didn't seem like there was any um, candidate to, to replace him. But then Bancroft came along and he's played three excellent innings in a row. And uh, I can I can cop this selection. I mean, Bancroft had to be there somewhere. They probably had three spots they could have slotted him in. So he was he was always in. It was just a matter of where to pick him. And I guess they've done the right thing in picking him in his best spot. He's an opener. I think his combination with Warner would have will have promise. Like uh, the right hand left hand combination is is always good. I do feel sorry for Matt Renshaw, but you know he did get to a point there, I think, where perhaps it wouldn't have been good for him with his level of confidence to be going into an Ashes test. Yeah, Bancroft's a great inclusion for two reasons. One, that he bashed the door down with the weight of runs at Shield Cricket, so he's really forced his way in. You want to pick 
players in form when they're going to make their test debut. So that's a great thing for Bancroft. Also, he was picked for an Australian tour just over two years ago that was cancelled. So he's been there or thereabouts for a couple of years. He looks very organised. He does. And he would have played in the last two summers. He would have played last summer or even the one before if only he'd done what he's done this time and scored runs at the right time. His runs over the last couple of years have not come when the selectors have been looking at him. So that's the key difference. They knew he had talent. They've had their eyes on him. But his timing this time is very good. And based on that, it's a very good selection because as opposed to the pain one, which has come out of left field, this is one that, you know, it is a victory for the development process because he's a guy that they've they've, um, put through the processes and had their eye on three years and at 24 years of age he looks like he's ready to go and Renshaw now has to go back to shield cricket and just get back to scoring runs for Queensland and he's only a young man every test player gets dropped at some stage so I wouldn't think it'd be the end of his test career no it's uh, I guess it's um you know the only concern for him well there's probably a few but Bancroft it's Bancroft's spot now so if Bancroft nails that spot, then it is going to be hard for Renshaw to come back because he's an opener and an opener only. But there is hope. I mean, he's 21. I mean, seriously, that's. I think I read somewhere he scored more runs or his average is better than almost any Australian player um, in history at, at this age and has played this many tests. So there's nothing uh, to be ashamed about about his record so far. I mean, I think he's only scored a couple of runs less than Peter Hanscom in that period. So on that basis, he is desperately unlucky to be left out because in a point of crisis last year he was the player that stood up for this new Australian team and set the foundation for a pretty good effort in India so he's very very unlucky Renshaw and um, you know I hope that that's not the end of him because I think he's got the character to to be a good test opener. I mean, I spoke to Ian Chappell on the last podcast. I just want to drop that name in there because I can. But he was saying about Renshaw that he needs to learn to rotate the strike a bit more on the off and the on side to just get Warner back on strike quicker when he's yep. opening with him. So that's something he needs to go and work on, I think. I think that's true. Um, although in the, he only played a few games with Warner and I don't remember that ever being a problem. I mean... It was with Renshaw at the other end that Warner made a century in a session at the SCG. So I think that that was a factor and and an issue for Renshaw. The other one is sort of prodding at that ball outside off stump. I mean, I think he got caught behind basically for every dismissal in his uh, six failures to start the Shield season. So there's a couple of little technical issues there, but he's got a great temperament and you can only um, hope that he he, uh, improves. Now, the next controversial selection and I am dumbfounded at this one Ben Horn. I am absolutely dumbfounded that they have recalled Sean Marsh into the side and and Trevor Holmes has said that Sean Marsh can bat anywhere he brings flexibility but there's only one spot for him to bat which is number six can you fathom why they've gone back to someone that has been dropped 10 times and they seem to put a line through his name after the Indian tour? I mean why have they done this? Look, I also find it difficult to understand, but only on one level. I mean, I think uh, on his form at the moment and what he's shown in Test cricket the last couple of years with the bat, I think it's it's a fine selection. I think he's improved in the last three years, and he's an experienced head. I think he said he was Justin Langer. He's Justin Langer (laughs) next year, feeding you this stuff. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't compare him to Matt Hayden, so I'm not going that that far. But (laughs) fair enough. But. The one concern I have with Sean Marsh, and this is the reason why I wouldn't have picked him, is because the, if you look at his record over the last two or three years, I reckon every sort of third, fourth, fifth test match he's played, he's broken down with an injury. 
I know he's fit now, but he's had hamstring, back injuries. You know, it's just happened on a regular basis. And for that reason, uh, I would have been very hesitant. And, and if he's in there, I don't think he can play all five tests this summer. I think at some point, they're going to have to get an all-rounder in there or another person in there because, you know, it, that could be extremely costly if uh, his back seizes up as it did in the fourth test in India. And uh, he's basically a passenger. So I, I'm not as outraged as I am. As you are, because I think as a batsman, I think it. I think it's a fine call. I don't mind it at all. But his body has me worried. Well, in response to that, I think Sean Marsh is a bit of a nicker. I think Broad and Anderson and Wokes they love bowling to batsmen like Sean Marsh that just you know prod a little bit outside that off stump. So I think he's a real target for them. I agree with you that it's good having a proper batsman at number six give, rather than trying to find an all-rounder that we, we don't have. But I think that, and, you know, this was a very strange one. Glenn Maxwell has not been mentioned by the selectors in their press release at all, yet Maxwell played in the last four tests for Australia in the middle order. I think Glenn Maxwell has been desperately unlucky to miss out on this team. He's been consistent while not being brilliant in the Sheffield Shield this season so far. I think this was the perfect opportunity to give him a chance at number six, an aggressive lower-order batsman. And they haven't. They've taken the safe mood. And I think Glenn Maxwell must be wondering if he'll ever play a test in Australia. Yeah, I think that's entirely fair. I think Glenn Maxwell um, is the most unlucky man for that number six spot. Look, I guess in this situation, it's kind of similar to the wicket-keeping one that, you know, we might have found someone other than Sean Marsh if if someone else had stood up with those big hundreds uh, in the middle. But, look, I agree. I think Glenn Maxwell, a couple of 50s, you know, I, I think he could have done a good job. But there's something there. Uh, I don't know whether it's to do with his, his technique uh, against fast bowlers in Australia or whether it's a, a personality thing or whatever it is, but... He just doesn't seem to, um, you know, to be in favour with the Australian selectors, and, and it's a real shame for him. But look, for me, I'm not surprised that he's not there because I just don't think he's someone that they've they've been looking at. But it doesn't mean that I, I don't think he's unlucky. Outrageous, outrageous. Now, the other selection that is worth talking about is Chad Sayers, is the thirteenth man in this squad, the South Australian swing bowler. He's been the leading wicket taker in Sheffield Shield cricket. I think for the last two years. So he's, he's like Bancroft has knocked the door down and they've said that Sayers is there for possibly playing in the day night test at his home ground, the Adelaide Oval. So I'm no surprises that Sayers, um, there or thereabouts considering no. the injuries to Pattinson and yeah. Berendorf. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens at the Gabba. I mean, if Pat Cummins comes out and takes five or six, seven wickets, it's pretty hard to leave him out of Adelaide if he's absolutely flying. But, you know, depending on the circumstances, it might be a good time to give Pat Cummins a spell because five tests summer is a huge workload for anyone, let alone someone who's never played more than two tests in a row uh, and with his history of problems. So, look, he, he himself has said it's a complete wait and see to see how many tests he can get through this summer. Depending on the circumstances, this might be the chance to give him a rest in Adelaide. Well, now that we've sort of gone through the team, what do you think of it? Just aside from the the, the thoughts on the selections, do you think it's a team capable of beating England? I do. Yeah, look, it's a bizarre... Some bizarre things have happened in the selection of this team. There's some surprises. But in lieu of anyone completely jumping out of the box as a number six or a wicketkeeper this summer, I... I think it's a solid team. I mean, it's clearly a team that's been picked 
to win an Ashes series, not a team that's been picked to, um, you know, to, to shape the next 10 years of Australian cricket. I mean, I'd be surprised if we see Sean Marsh go to South Africa, for example, unless he absolutely um, shoots the lights out. God, don't say that. I mean, you said to me, Marsh has finished after the Indian tour, so I don't think you should ever put a line through Sean Marsh, ever. <laughs> no, no. Well, look, um, I think the reason why the line was put through, as it was with Steve O'Keefe, was there was a soft decision made to move on. But I guess it's a reflection of Australian cricket that no one else has come through. And one test later, they had to recall Steve O'Keefe. And then two tests later, they've had to recall Sean Marsh. So that's a concern. Um, wouldn't be surprised if, if we see a Marcus Stoinis or Hilton Cartwright play a part in this series at some point. Yeah, obviously very sad news has come out in the last couple of days that Marcus Stoinis' father passed away, so he probably wasn't even considered for selection in this test match. And obviously our thoughts go out to him and his family. Um, But I just want to have a bit of a whinge before I let the listeners go. This selection panel, there must be question marks surrounding it because they just don't seem to be able to make any firm decisions. They they make one decision, then they backtrack, and then they they pull people out of nowhere. I mean, we're, we're going back to before Rod Marsh even took over when it was just a lottery. Yeah, look, it, it looks like that. I mean, I actually thought that under Trevor Holmes last summer, there was a bit more direction. You know, we, we saw the, them go to Renshaw, we saw them go to Hanscom and Wade, and I thought there was a bit more process going on there. <laughs> Today's selection probably changes that a bit, but look, I, I'm not sure what to think of it. I mean, it, it always... Selection is a tough job, and it's hard to truly judge this team until we've actually seen them play. I mean, I like the fact that we've got the most informed player in the country at the top of the order. I think Sean Marsh, if his body holds up, has the experience, and I don't think Tim Payne is going to do any worse than anyone else we could have picked based on what we've seen this Shield season. So, and, look, the one thing is we've got a fast bowling attack that, if, if they stay fit, should put us in a position to win to win matches. So I uh, I don't mind this team. That that might not be what uh, most people think, but uh, I think that this is a team that can win the Ashes. Well, Ben, thank you very much for the positivity and your assessment of this Ashes team. Well, listeners, that was our recap of the major Ashes announcement that took place today. Some absolute shocks included in the Australian squad. Ben Horn from the Daily Telegraph has joined me to go through it, so that was great. Thanks, Ben. And if you haven't downloaded a show from earlier this week, we did a full show where I interviewed Robert Craddock and Ian Chappell about the upcoming Ashes. So download and listen to that. Thanks for your time, Ben. Listeners, thanks for downloading the show. You've been listening to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast, and we'll be back next week with a first test preview.